We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, we're pumped to be able to share an exclusive trailer with you after the show. From Blue Wire Studios comes Golden Gold, stories of soccer legends. Each Monday, two new episodes will take a look into some of soccer's biggest stars and the moments that define their careers. All narrated by Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's Always Cheating Podcast. From Holland, Zoltan, Messi, Rapino, and many more, each episode will focus on the historical plays and personalities that make the sport great. So stay tuned after the episode and check out Golden Goal, Stories of Soccer Legends, wherever you get your podcasts. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? Nets news. Yes, we have plenty of news. Some of it bad news, sadly, but we'll get to it. As always, though, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. And this episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. But, Jack, where do we start things off? All right, Nick, we've got a lot to get to. Let's kick it off with the fact that uh, Spencer Dimitri and Toyin Prince won't be going to Orlando, obviously, um, days before I updated this document, I had Spencer Dimley sort of saying that he hopes to get there. He's, he's been riding the exercise bike, all those little things. Um, but the team made the decision. You know, he actually tweeted out sort of saying that he's thankful for, for Sean Marks, Joe Sy and, and Jacques Vaughn to make a decision for him because, you know, he was saying that he was getting dizzy after doing little exercise spurts. And Toyin Prince uh, himself, uh, it was announced by Woj that he won't be uh, going to Orlando after contracting the virus either. We obviously, the number one thing is we wish both of these guys uh, all the, the the well wishes in the world hopefully that their health is you know not affected long term and then they're able to come back to play NBA basketball and not have any long-term respiratory effects but uh, it, it really sucks not just for the team but for these two individually uh, we'd certainly wish them all the best yeah 100 uh, especially with Spencer knowing that he had it and he's 
not necessarily having a super quick recovery. You're a little bit worried, obviously very healthy, but hoping, like you mentioned, doesn't impact him long term. And it just, you know, sucks for Torian Prince, not to mention that it was a great opportunity for him and Orlando to really step up. But the fact is, you know, now he has COVID. I believe he does have a family as well. So you want to make sure he gets healthy from that. But we mentioned kind of both things prior. When we first got news about Nets testing positive, we said that it was pretty likely that, you know, some other guys on the team would would end up testing positive, and that was the case. And we even mentioned we got the news about Spencer that we wouldn't be surprised if the Nets held him back themselves because it is a risky situation because there's just so many unknowns. And, I mean, what's the point in taking any sort of risk with this Brooklyn yeah. Nets team right now? It just doesn't make any sense. So, a uh, great decision by Sean Marks, Josiah, uh, Jacques Bond, whoever was involved in the decision-making. Spencer was obviously... And team doctors. Uh, Spence was obviously very appreciative of it. Um, he was appreciative of all the well wishes. You know, he sort of said, you know, earlier in the week, appreciating the sentiment that sometimes it gets lost in those situations. You know, obviously, we like to see these guys as athletes, as basketballers, but we forget that these guys are human beings that are going through it as well in this in this absolutely crazy world. And, you know, we sort of alluded to, I think it was you, Nick, in, in previous episodes when we were talking about, you know, different quotes from different players, seeing different team photos, that the Toy and Prince wasn't in any of them. So, and, he, you know, he was tweeting kind of cryptically when you're keeping up with this timeline. So um, it, it's no surprise that, that he's not going to be heading there. And hopefully, you know, like I said, him, Spencer, DeAndre, every single person in the NBA who has contracted the virus who may not be going or is trying to go or is quarantining right now, whatever respect, all the people around the world that have contracted this virus, you know, do what you got to do. Just take care of your health at the end of the day and, and, and all the well wishes to you and your families. Yeah, and hopefully no other Nets get it. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. obviously like a scary area in New York, and maybe it was at the training facility or whatever it might be. Hopefully, you know, the Nets can stay safe and all the guys can make their full recovery as well. Yeah, yep. And um, that's that's what we're hoping for, uh, for all the players around the NBA and all the people who have contracted this uh, really, really scary virus. But, Nick, uh, I guess it sort of brings me to a question. You know, Forbes Sports did a, an article titled should the nets withdraw from the nba restart what are your immediate thoughts upon hearing that that question i mean i think it's a real possibility we kind of mentioned at it jokingly when we got the first news of like deandre and spencer saying like oh they don't have enough players but when you really start looking at the roster like the nets are going to have chris joza karasavert joe harris rodeon Sierra Allen, tyler johnson uh, tlc musa you know what i mean like Garrett Temple, they're not going to have like this full team, Justin Anderson, like a team of guys they played a lot of minutes with this year. They're missing bigs. They're obviously not up to the level of the other teams in Orlando. So like, I think initially you're like, oh, why would they do that? But when you look deeper into it, it kind of makes sense. I mean, for the Nets, though, I think they're looking to use this opportunity to almost have a tryout for next year's team. We're like Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, Jared Allen, obviously all NBA starters, NBA level players, where the other guys maybe can be a bench player next year's team or earn even their next NBA contract with this play. So there's different variables, I think, for why the Nets will do it. But there's also a fair argument on why they shouldn't go. Yeah, the, you can certainly make a case for both sides of it. You know, Garrett Temple certainly uh, has been a big advocate for it. We'll get to some of his quotes in, in future episodes, as we will with some of the, the, the rotation guys. But, you know, those names that you mentioned, Nick, there's essentially four guys that are NBA-level rotation proven players. You know, you know Garrett Temple... Karis Levert, Jared Allen, um, and Joe Harris. You know, the, outside of those guys, the rest of the rotation, you wouldn't be giving minutes to in in a key playoff series at all. Yeah. And, you know, if, if anything, you know, Jared Allen hasn't been getting minutes uh, a lot. Joe Harris perf- didn't perform uh, to, to the best of his ability in, in the last playoff series. Garrett Temple, obviously, is that sort of, you know, that Jared Dudley sort of type that we've sort of had throughout the season, uh, along with Cy Wilson Chandler. So 
It's going to be a very, very weak team and outside of the Washington Wizards. Now, I mean, I put out yesterday, and probably get to it in the next episode, uh, the, the responses to what people thought that the Nets record would be. Literally, I have the piece of paper on right next to me. When we were doing this, and when the, the schedule was released, and we were sort of going through the Nets, the Magic, and the Wizards to sort of figure out whether the Nets would sort of finish up. You know, we, we both had the Nets at about four and four, the Magic at three and five, and then Washington at about two and six. So that's certainly changed now. You know, I'll give my thoughts in, in a future episode. We'll certainly uh, get more stuck into the schedule a little bit. Um, but I think that there are definitely cases for both sides. And I don't think it's, it's going to be taken lightly. I think that there are positives to the, the Orlando hub. You know, hopefully because of the fact that they're in one centralized location, uh, that lessens the, the likelihood of any sort of outbreak. Um, but obviously, we don't know that. We're not epidemiologists at the end of the day. Um, and hopefully, you know, people coming in, you know, the, there's players that haven't been signed yet, or maybe they have been and we just haven't heard of it. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of variables that, that go with this thing, Nick. And uh, we're all just thinking about the, the, the health and safety of the players and staff and everyone that's heading to Orlando. Um, Obviously, you know, we would have rather to be in a different situation where, you know, maybe we got to Orlando a little bit earlier like the Toronto Raptors, but uh, that's uh, that's hindsight is twenty twenty at the end of the day. So there is definitely a case uh, for the fact that Nets should withdraw from the NBA restart, but so should the Wizards. And I guess there's also the, uh, at the end of the day, uh, the NBA is a business. These franchises need to make money and these players want to make money. Garrett Temple has made that a, a key sort of point as well. So uh, money does talk at, at the end of the day as well too, Nick. Yeah, it does. And I think, you know, that's obviously a case. And like I said, some of these guys will look at it as an opportunity to maybe, you know, further their position in the NBA from maybe being a non-rotation guy to a rotation guy or getting that next contract. But like you said, there's still danger. We're just hoping that in the bubble, things will be a little bit safer, obviously, all the protocols from the NBA, and then also getting that excessive amount of testing that you probably wouldn't get in just your normal like public life. True, true. Testing is certainly uh, a very important part. So uh, we'll move on, and, and I guess to some of the players, Nick, that have been rumoured to to replace uh, and, and become the sort of substitute Brooklyn Nets, uh, if you want to call them that. Um, there's Amir Johnson, Lance Thomas, and Jordan Clarkson even brought up <laughs> Nick Young, uh, which was kind of funny. Ian Bailey reported about Lance Thomas, obviously been linked to the Nets in the past, played for the Nets in the past. Uh, Amir Johnson uh, has been sort of, you know, around the wings, you know, the the, infamous, the more recent infamous moment of his where he was texting his uh, his daughter on the, on the bench happened in the Brooklyn Nets playoff series. Out of these three guys, Nick, is there... Any interest as it uh, make you sort of, you know, jump out of your chair and, and want to do a video breakdown with me? What are you thinking? Uh, I don't think there's any excitement here. It seems, though, based off of, like, the interests that have actually been linked to the Nets, not including Nick Young, like Amir Johnson and Lance Thomas are, like, your solid, experienced veterans. Like, they're not great players at this point, but they can come in and give you competent backup minutes. And, like, it feels like the Nets are trying to at least make their team – not like, you know, they're not going to go and try to win Orlando, but they're at least trying to make it competent where they can compete in games and have a chance. Where, like, they know they're not going to be the most talented team, but they need to have at least, you know, NBA-level players to put in that position. Like, playing, you know, Musa or Rodion's 20 minutes at center just isn't going to work. If you get Amir Johnson, he's not going to be great, but he could probably give you 10 to 12 minutes of decent rebounding and a little bit of rim protection. So it's like, I think that's the route that the Nets are going in. For the Lance Thomas thing, I think he was training camp with the Nets, played a couple of preseason games, gives you that defense, you know, veteran veteran player, basketball IQ, not going to bring a ton offensively. Yeah, it's, it's speaking about this, I'm, I'm going to put a poll out and we'll discuss it on the next episode and just sort of revisit it. 
Uh, and I'll ask you, and you know, obviously you'll 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 throw a cheeky vote my way as well. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite team and events. And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partner, Bet Online. Get in on the action on this week's big UFC fight, or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back. BetOnline has future odds including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Uh, what route should the Nets go with their replacement players? You've sort of made the, the case for, you know, veteran presence, uh, obviously, you know, IQ and, and, and experience. Or should the Nets go down the G League route? You know, get some guys from the Long Island Nets and, you know, get, get a dragon bender. Obviously, Isaiah Hartenstein isn't really a viable option. If the Nets are going to make the playoffs, he won't be able to play any games because of at the timing of when he was waived by Dale Morey and the Houston Rockets. If I give you two options, G League young players, prospects, or... Amir Johnson, Lance Thomas, let's take out Nick Young, uh, just veteran sort of roles. You know, it's really tough, Jack, and I get it, and I understand most fans want the G League guy to see if somebody can pop off, but maybe the Nets feel like more comfortable with their bigs. Like any center they get, they're probably not going to retain because they already have Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan, and Nicholas Claxton, so maybe they're just like, all right, we want to put out like NBA-level players for the other guys so we can see how they actually can perform. Like, if we play Musa or Rodion's or TLC minutes at center, does that really help us evaluate them? Probably not. You know yeah. what I mean? So, like, you need Amir Johnson to be there so he's a guy that actually can play center. And they must feel that none of the G League guys are competent enough to play center if they haven't brought in one up already. So I think I think they're going to go this route. I'm really either way because I ha- understand the the reasoning for both. Like going the G League route, you're hoping a guy can pop off and retain him. But you're probably not going to play like NBA-level basketball, and they're going to have plenty of hiccups. And this might not be the best opportunity for them to showcase themselves because it's going to be a pressure situation, not much prep, where you can bring in one of these veteran guys, and you know you're not going to need them next year. They're just more so as like a placeholder, so it'll help you evaluate who else is on the team. So I think I'm probably leaning more towards the veteran route. Yeah, I think that what the Nets have got three spots, wasn't it? So I think that there isn't, you know, it's you know, not one way or another. I, I I'd like at least get one big. That's all I care about. I want one veteran big. Okay. I don't care what you do with the other spots. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point. You know, and I put out the poll literally seconds ago while we were chatting. <laughs> you know, G League uh, veterans or both. You know, I I personally would go with both because you know I think obviously at the center position. You know, the Nets are likely coming up against the Milwaukee Bucks or the Toronto Raptors. That's Marcus Gasol or, or Brooke Lopez. You know, Jared Allen obviously is going to be playing the, the bulk of the minutes. But if you've got Amir Johnson, Lance Thomas, whoever out there, maybe it helps a little bit. I don't 100% know. Uh, I just think that obviously the value between having a veteran presence or a young guy who can pop up with a little bit of talent, show some flashes, uh, I, it, it's a about you know it's, it's apples and oranges you're gonna get different different things out of yeah. whichever route sean marks does go and you know at the end of the day i don't really care it's not really like you know <laughs> where they it, like you sort of said nick that these guys are really going to be on the roster you know unless they're having eight sensational games you know i'm probably more going to be looking at guys like tyler johnson tlc yeah. guys that you know are going to be staking their claim to be on the 2020 2021 brooklyn nets but uh, anything that you wanted to add to that nick before we get to some uh, rumors 
No, I just would just reiterate what you just said, Jack. I think like you want to evaluate Tyler Johnson. You want to evaluate, you know, Chris Chiosa, Rodion's crew roots, Jana Musa, TLC, Justin Anderson, and even Garrett Temple, I guess, to an extent to see how they fit on this team and like what they can provide you. And I just not sure if you can do that with, you know, like incompetent players who guys who aren't NBA ready. So I am happy with whatever way Sean Marks goes. Yep. Speaking of Sean Marks, he was the man that refuted these Greg Popovich rumors that were initially brought up on uh, this sort of podcast by Joe something. I can't remember what his name is. Um, And it was sort of just said in passing that the Nets are going to make a a godfather offer to Greg Popovich. Um, I know our guy Will Jackson did the the economics of that. You know, he's one of obviously the richest coaches and uh, is on like a sort of GM salary as well. So he would certainly be given up something and what the Nets would have to offer would be something absolutely enormously substantial. But Mark said on a a podcast with Joe and Evan, uh, W fans uh, podcast, uh, Pop has a job. So I will say that. And obviously we all know he's an amazing, amazing coach. And to be quite frank, an even better leader. So I'll let Pop continue to coach for the Spurs. He owes it to them. They owe it to him. I'm sure he's quite happy there. Uh, So no Pop to the Nets, Nick. I mean, he didn't really shut it down. I mean, he just, said, he, he just said, like, he has a job and I can't talk about it, which is, like, the truth. You know what I mean? It's tampering if he does. So, like, that was really the only response Sean Marks could really give. And I feel like he's going to show respect to the organization that helped put him in a position to get this job. Where I think it's, like, less about the Nets trying to per, maybe pursue – like Popovich and it's more about like Popovich not wanting to coach the Spurs anymore and the Nets being an opportunity for him to still like coach at a championship level so I don't feel I feel like Sean Marks also doesn't want to disrespect the Spurs oh absolutely it's it's sort of where he was born and bred you know it's the reason it's a huge reason why he is in the position that he is right now well I certainly agree it didn't sound like it was a massive shutdown it's just like he's not coming here you know he didn't necessarily totally um make the rumors go away I agree. I think it has to be uh, Greg Popovich-led. If he's like, all right, this uh, this Spurs team's going nowhere. While I do like a DeJounte Murray and Derek White and Lonnie Walker, these sort of young guys, DeMar DeRozan, we're not going anywhere with this team. Whereas I see that, you know, I want to coach a couple more championships in, in the latter years of my coaching career. And who has that opportunity for me? And who has an open position where I can do that? Any team, you know, most most teams, not any team, most teams would, would throw the, the kitchen sink to get Greg Popovich for a couple of seasons. And, you know, I think that there is still a very small slither of hope that we could see. And uh, we'll certainly be keeping it. It's always a long shot. <laughs> always a long shot. Always a long shot. But where there's a will, there's a way, Nick. And, um, you know, by the end of this podcast, we'll probably see a, a, an announcement from Greg Popovich that's saying he's like re- retiring after the Olympics or whatever it is. <laughs> generally seems if- to happen whenever yeah. we record our pods. Um, but one thing I wanted to get to, Nick, and we don't normally do the hot takes here on uh, on, on the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm normally saving those for, for JBT, but I thought I'd bring one uh, to here. Uh, it's been bringing a bit of Brooklyn bits to the Brooklyn Buzz. Uh, this is via um, the hot take Smith and uh, the man who I don't really agree with in any basketball <laughs> take himself, Skip Bayless. On the rumor, Pop might coach Nets. Katie and Kyrie would last about a week with his old stool gruff, toughness and quirky decisions they're two of the thinnest skinned and most talented players ever and now they've teamed up Ty Lu is the best fit better than Jacques Vaughn uh, there's actually some credence to that uh there's some a, a lot of non-credence to it but uh what's your take Nick 
I, I want to point out first, I love how you impersonated Skip Bayless's voice when you read the quote. <laughs> I love the change up. But uh, I mean, like you said, there is some truth to it. Like, yeah, they're not necessarily like the best fit, but it's not like we haven't seen Katie and Kyrie be coached by pop at team USA and there wouldn't be adjustments. And obviously I think like Katie and Kyrie don't always get along with a coach or somebody, whoever it might be, because they think they might know more where I feel like they wouldn't necessarily challenge Greg Popovich, who is many view as, you know, the, the best coach in NBA history, but you could make an argument. Ty Lue might be a better fitter, you know, Jock Mon or something like that, because they'll have less of an impact on coaching. and It'll be more Katie and Kyrie led. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, I've seen a lot of people sort of bring up both. It's just like, will will these guys really want to be coached or will they really want that control? And who is the the candidate that gives them what they want? You know, we've obviously talked about, you know, Sean Mark saying that these guys are going to be heavily involved in the decision-making, uh, especially when it comes to the coach. So uh, whether it's Tyler, whether it's Jacques Vaughn, whether it's Phil Handy, whoever else it might be out there, Mike D'Antoni, now, it's certainly something that we're going to keep bringing up on the buzz and keep sort of looking at. You know, I think that any team would be lucky to have Greg Popovich. And I think that if they were to be lucky enough to have the opportunity, they obviously have uh, had the experience with him at, at different sort of Team USA experiences. So Greg Popovich to the Nets, uh, I'm still leaving the door ever slightly ajar, Nick. But we will move on. and we'll It's get like to... when you close the door at night, but you don't close it all the way. So there's just like a little crack. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to let the boogeyman in. You know, you've got to let those ghosts and those monsters go out at the end of the, at the at the night, so you can sleep nicely. Uh, but Nick, we'll get to the scrimmage games. We've obviously divulged uh, the full schedule, and this came out, you know, a, a few days ago, uh, right now. But the Nets have three skip scrimmage games between July 22 and 27. They've got the Pelicans, the Spurs, and the Jazz. What are you hoping that the Nets get out of these three games, Nick? Well, I guess in the Pelicans game, you're hoping for some conditioning because you know that the Pelicans like run like crazy and they're probably getting out to run. And maybe that's a good like example or test for the Nets. I mean, I guess in the Spurs game, you can hope the Nets build some confidence because like the Spurs maybe are in the same talent range as them. You know, missing LaMarcus Aldridge, having a lot of question marks, being just kind of DeMar DeRozan centric. So maybe they can build confidence in the Jazz game. You're just kind of looking on how they can handle I guess, like star level players, like deal with a Rudy Gobert at center. Like how's Jared Allen going to hold up when there's no backup that can kind of make up for his mistakes if he gets in foul trouble or like how are the Nets going to handle dealing with a Donovan Mitchell or even playing a really good defensive team? You know what I mean? Like they're going to be missing their their number one playmaker on the year, Spencer Dinwiddie. It's going to be a lot on Karis Avert and Chris Gioza. Like how are these backup players going to react when they're pushed into a bigger role against a good defense like the Jazz? Yeah, I think that there's there's plenty of things. I, I mean, I definitely over like analyzed it. It's just scrimmage. I love games, it, but... <laughs> mate. We've got we've got bugger all to do here, so let's analyze it. We'll probably be doing post game recaps of every single one if they're available on League Pass or whatever. Don't worry about that, and we'll be uh, over analyzing Carlos Levert taking ninety shots a game and Jared Allen having about forty five dunks. But uh, it's yeah, I, I think that the number one thing is you alluded to to it, Nick, is conditioning. You you want to get these guys right. You want to get the, the miles into their legs that when the, the, the big games do happen, you know, obviously you don't want any injuries to happen out of it. You want to, uh, the conditioning obviously is to provide a, a sense of, you know, miles in the legs. And when that, what they mean by miles in the legs is that when you are going at a, a true intensity, you know, your muscles are, are adjusted to now the, the new sort of NBA level style. It's not just the, the scrimmages between teammates. It's the, it's not just the five on five or the three on threes. It's now against NBA level talent and you're building and building and building until you get to the intensity of those eight seeded games. And then also uh, hopefully the postseason or hopefully not uh, according to, to different people. So yeah, conditioning is uh, number one at the end of the day. 
Jack, how do you think the Nets are going to handle minutes? Like, you know how obviously in the past it's always been like no one really plays over 30 minutes unless it was like Kyrie Irving or occasionally like Joe Harris, D'Angelo Russell. Like, do you think they're still going to be really strict and not playing guys like high minute numbers or they're just going to say like, hey, we want to win some games. So we're going to play Karis and Joe 36 minutes and maybe Jared Allen like 34. Uh, I think it's it has to be Taylor. And uh, and one thing that the Nets have always generally done or that that Kenny specifically did was he never really breached the, the analytics department and the, and the training department. It's just like, all right, Karis, if it's coming back from an injury here, you can't play more than 25 minutes or, or whatever it might be. And, you know, obviously these guys are coming off months and months of, of, of not playing any form of NBA basketball. So I think that there is an element of risk involved and, and safety that it's just like, all right, we don't want to run these guys into the ground. But maybe you see that by the seeding games. You know, these scrimmage yeah. games, maybe you see it. I would expect it to be sort of, you know, summer league, sort of a preseason style where everyone gets, you know, 25 minutes or so. Uh, and everyone sort of gets a, a guy a chance in the rotation from you know Justin Anderson to Jeremiah Martin. Everyone sort of gets a a, a, sh- a chance to sort of shut their stuff, get some miles into the legs one way or another. But by the time the eight city games come, you know the Nets are going to want to win games. You know at yeah. the end of the day, it's it's in their culture, it's embedded in them ever since we started this podcast, and ever since Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson established the the quote unquote culture that I don't think a lot of people like to speak about these days. But you know the Nets aren't a tanking team. They always want to put their best foot forward. They always want to win. They want to show that grit at the end of the day. So I think that they'll do. It'll be. A, it'll, I don't think it's going to be a one size fits all thing, Nick. I think it'll. It'll certainly be dependent on, on the game. It'll certainly be player dependent. Player dependent. You know, if Karis Levert is feeling a little bit rusty and you know his legs, you know that they, they see that it's like all right, he's he's getting some cramps here. You know that we've got to really take it back a little bit. We'll probably see higher Chris Chiosa minutes, and I, and I think that that's what it has to be. It can't be a one size fits all thing. Uh, but the Nets are going to want, to want going to want to win games, so uh, I think that we could see uh, different sort of uh, avenues. Like you said, Nick, there could be you know by game five or six, we could see you know Joe Harris playing 35, 36 minutes alongside Karis Avert uh, and Jared Allen. All those guys are relatively young as well. It's not like that they're in a, a, a pre-prime to their career uh, when it comes to, to the, the physicality and, and their bodies and their conditioning or post-prime. Obviously, you know, you want to be careful and, and each player is different in, in how they handle uh, those extended minutes and, and, and that extended intensity, especially Karis Burt, who is going to have a, 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 the brunt of the responsibility on, on offense. And I, I don't expect him to play much defense um, with the, the level of responsibility he'll have on that end of the floor. So uh, it's, I think it'll be uh, a game-by-game situation to sort of go with the cop-out answer, Nick. No, I think you're right, though, Jack. I think they'll be eased into it. But I think it'll get to a point where the Nets know they want to win games. And it'll get, I mean, it's already pretty apparent now that the only way they're going to win games is if they get a lot of great play from Joe Harris, Karis Avert, Jared Allen, and probably even Garrett Temple to an extent. Yeah. Like, they're guys that you know that can perform and they can play good NBA minutes. Like, Karras is a guy that's dropped 50. Joe's dropped 20-plus on numerous occasions. You know, Jared Allen's had 20-20 games. Garrett Temple's been in this league for a long time for a reason. So, I think, like, they'll work towards that. But you're right. There's a lot of concern, not only with Karras averting the workload, but I'm a little concerned about Jared Allen's workload. Like, and how much he's just going to have to bang and battle every night, and they have to, like, work him towards those higher minutes. But like you said, at least all these guys are young, you know, pre-30, so not really a ton to worry about in terms of, like, that youth and energy. Yeah, I think it's something that we could sort of, uh, I think it would be worth doing, possibly even on a pod, sort of previewing 
the, what we expect or want out of some of these players. You know, if we, I mean, we're, we're never running out of content here with the amount of news that keeps popping up, but it, it, it's worth looking at. You know, you know, Jared Allen has averaged 25.7 minutes on the season. He's going to be jumping above that. Garrett Temple, 28.1. You expect him to be around that mark, if not a little bit more. Carol Savert, 29. Uh, Joe Harris, 31. You know, are those guys going to be at those minutes above it? Uh, we don't necessarily know, but... Uh, Nick, we won't get to the Chris Chioza quotes right now, but we will get to what uh, he and all the other NBA players were meet, were eating. And uh, this is via the Off the Glass Twitter page, which uh, posted uh, the the meal and the menu itself. And the menu itself, Nick, and uh, stop me if anything sort of tickles your fancy, I guess. <laughs> we got some uh, we got some fresh garden greens. Uh, we've got arugula, a watermelon, a bit of pickled red onions, goat cheese with raspberry vinaigrette tomato and mozzarella caprese salad, a bit of Italian grilled chicken with a natural jus, a bit of white fish with tomato and dill topping, and then you chuck in a bit of parmesan polenta with some sun-dried tomatoes, pasta with that, uh, that, that impossible bolognese sauce, so it's impossible to know what's actually in it, in, in my head, and then of course you chuck in the uh, old roasted summer veggies. What are your thoughts on uh, what Chris Chioza and all the guys are eating down there in Orlando? So this is actually like their full like menu. That doesn't even seem that bad. I know like the pictures don't look great, but like that's a good option in terms of like numerous things that you're getting. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm also like, I eat anything. Like the only thing I really don't (laughs) like is, is mayonnaise. So like, as long as it doesn't have mayo, I love mayo. (laughs) So it doesn't have mayo. I'm pretty good. Like tomato mozzarella like that, you know, grilled chicken. I'll always have some of that. I'm I'm kind of intrigued by the impossible pasta sauce yeah. that you mentioned. Like, what is that? So I'm assuming it's vegetarian. And I guess, like, it's supposed to improve. Like, the menu is supposed to improve. I don't think it's terrible, but I know, like, people think MBA and they're thinking, like, they should eat better. I also think some of the packaging, I would assume, is, like, that way because of COVID. Yeah, obviously, I think that... Uh, we overanalyzed it, and as did NBA Twitter in general. Mark Stein, like you mentioned, revealed that the food in the NBA battle changes after the quarantines are completed, so after about 48 hours. So hopefully uh, LeBron James and other superstars aren't going to have to bring in their personal chefs. I made my my claim for it, you know, with my uh, chicken tacos that I made this week, so I can uh, bring <laughs> Taco Tuesday to Orlando. Um, but, yeah, it's certainly going to be one that we keep an eye on. And, you know, if there's another damn impossible bolognese sauce, maybe uh, – Maybe Kyrie Irving really is in the bubble and, you know, impossible just means beyond me. Who knows? Um, but, Nick, we will get to a quote from Rodion's Kuritz, which has aged absolutely terribly. Uh, <laughs> if we are the seventh seed, we're going to go against Toronto probably. We definitely have a chance. We've been competing with that team, and I definitely think we could beat them in round one. So, like, Rodion's, maybe you can understand where he's coming from. Is Spencer's healthy. You got Spencer and Karras. They can light it up. But, like, even still, you were missing, I think at the time of the quote, you're still missing DeAndre. So it's just like, okay, Rodion's like, yeah, the Nets can be competitive in the series, but they're not going to win considering still, like, a lot of their big rotation players are out. Because, like I mentioned, DeAndre still wasn't coming. Wilson Chandler wasn't coming. And then, obviously, Kyrie and KD. So, like, it's a good thought. And I wouldn't expect less from a player. Like, you never want a player to come out and say, like, hey, we're going to get bodied by the Raptors, so you appreciate the competitiveness. But obviously, it's not very realistic. 
Uh, no, not at all. I, I think that I, I agree with the sentiment that the Nets have generally matched up quite well with the Toronto Raptors. They've been yeah. in this season. We've done rewatches of them, um, you know, in in the quarantine. So I think that the, I would much rather be versing the Raptors, partly because I also am a bit of a fan and I do love to hate on Kyle Lowry when we are versing him, rather than sort of seeing the Nets get you know swept and beaten by twenty points every night against the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. Not to say that that won't happen against the Raptors anyway, who seem to have a, a clean bill of health, and hopefully that is the case. You know, for for him for them and other teams uh, but nick we will end with uh, something we like to sort of focus on on the social justice here uh, at at the brooklyn buzz and Kyrie irving is in uh joining a number of people in producing say her name brianna taylor which is going to be a documentary or a documentary style television show which will debut wednesday at 7 p.m on the players digital and broadcast network uh, and he's joining you know a, a common common uh, and a few other people to really sort of call for action in what is still an ongoing issue. I think it's been over 110 days, if not, I think it's been more than that. And Breonna Taylor's uh, officers that killed her in Calais uh, still haven't been arrested. I think one of them has, but there's still two men who are walking free uh, despite having blood on their hands. What did you think about hearing this uh, related I mean- to Kyrie Irving? I mean, it's great. Obviously, we know Kyrie has been a big advocate for the Black Lives Matter movement and even, you know, pushing players maybe to possibly not go to Orlando. So it's really good, too, to see him like pushing and doing things where, you know, people would be like, oh, well, Kyrie didn't even go to Orlando. We're telling people to go and he's not doing anything. No, Kyrie's doing a thing and he's producing a, a TV show or, you know, a doc that's enlightening people on what's going on and trying to bring attention to a big cause. So nothing but respect for Kyrie Irving for this and taking time and doing this. You know what I mean? It's like he's using his time the right way and not just wasting it. Even though he's out and injured, he's still, you know, helping society. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, so people, people love to they hate to see it because they hate Kyrie so much when he does something good. <laughs> it's hard for them to look. So, yeah, I mean, I, I even... I can't remember if it was on this podcast or, or the outlet or, or JBT where I saw Kendrick Perkins as part of that voter initiative. You know, even I, when someone does something good, you have to at least acknowledge the yeah. action and itself. And Kyrie Irving has done a lot of great things. And you can hate on, on, on the guy and the personality or whatever, but respect the action that he's taking. Yep. And hopefully this does. And uh, this is via ESPN. The broadcast will include specific calls for action, such as calls to the offices of city and state officials, voter registration, and social media posts that brings attention to Taylor's case. And uh, hopefully this is part of a, a strategic and, 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 an issue that sort of really gets, uh, because it seems to me that uh, with a lot of the black lives matter movement and, and a lot of the stuff, uh, it's very media driven and I know that Twitter has been a great platform and I know that the, a lot of listeners and followers of, of the Brooklyn Buzz and OTG Basketball have been great at magnifying and keeping their voices nice and loud because nothing has, there's there been small minute change but black people are still dying, they're being lynched, they're uh, suffering terrible, terrible oppression both here in, in uh, with indigenous, indigenous Australians in, in custody and obviously in America with the uh, terrible injustices that continue to be oppressed against them. So hopefully this is, Kyrie uh, kind of putting his money where his mouth is and hopefully shining a light on, again, you know, I think that this is bringing true action because he's, like yeah. he's sort of saying, putting the, the city and state officials on point, you know, getting voter registrations. This is what the NBA needs to do, not leave it up to the damn players. You know, I get, I, I, I normally save the, the sort of anger for behind the scenes in the DMs with you, Corey, and others. But I am a little bit frustrated at, at what sort of the, the window dressing that the NBA is sort of doing with these really sort of platitudes with the, the names on the back of the jerseys and not putting their money where, where their mouth is and not bringing true change or, or putting money 
and, and strategy behind the Black Lives Matter movement, despite saying that it would be a key sort of tentpole to the Orlando restart. They're leaving it up to the players and they're not sort of pressuring their owners. And at the end of the day, I don't think that's going to happen because, you know, I think that they're the stakeholders and they're the owners. They're the ones that are bringing money to the league in the first place. But uh, for me, it is frustrating. And I'm damn glad that we've got players that are really choosing to speak up. And there is an overwhelming majority of players that are doing that. And every single one of them deserve a pat on the back. Yeah, and uh, you're just to your point about the NBA, it feels like they're not coming up with a strategy. They're just coming up with a strategy for, like, good PR, what looks good for them instead yep. of actually, like, taking time and figuring out ways to have, like, big help. And I love to see it from the players, though, too. Like, I love seeing Kyrie do it because you know that he carries, like, a different type of impact. Not to say that every Kyrie fan is going to watch, the, you know, watch what he produces, but they're at least going to have an idea, and they might be a little bit enlightened and look to educate themselves on it. And then, obviously, we know Kyrie is extremely popular with the younger generation with all the sneakers, the fancy moves, Dr. Drew and stuff like that. So, uh, Uncle Drew. And, obviously, like, that can have a big impact on the generation going forward. So it's really good to see Kyrie, someone with such star power, doing the right thing. Absolutely. Him and all others that are making their voices heard and bringing about true change. Where true change is needed, uh, they deserve all the credit uh, that they are being thrown their way. 100%. And on that note, that wraps up the buzz. As always, Jack, a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.